Hey, welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by the Ram 1500 Sport, built exclusively for Canadians. Rory, this was the day. A solid trade deadline day here. We've got winners and losers to talk about. We're going to bring in Dan Murphy to talk about the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to bring in Mark Spector to talk about, I would say, a surprisingly active Edmonton Oilers team. And Luke Fox to talk about a Toronto team that was... Fairly quiet today, but still some news, and Lord knows there's always a lot to talk about around the Maple Leafs, especially in the aftermath of losing games to beer league goalies. But we got to start with the winners and losers. It's funny every time. I can't. I can't get past that. <laughs> it is something else. It is something else. Some would say something else is trading a uh, top six second line center like Vincent Trocheck. For a pile of shoulder shrug, would we say, to the Carolina Hurricanes, maybe with the biggest deal of the day, the Florida Panthers moving uh, Trocek to the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina was definitely a winner. I mean, I feel like this has to be the deal that has the the most legs or potential for the most legs from today. Yeah, do you see the vein popping out of my forehead? I see like, some I'm, throbbing. I'm so upset with this deal from the Florida side. I don't. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all from the Florida side as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you got worse. You came out of the trade deadline worse than when you went into it. And the need that they had on defense, they didn't take care of either. So it blows my mind that this was the move that they made. I mean, how often does a solid second-line center with term for less than $5 million come available and Florida's the team that makes them available and they get, I mean, I guess the main part of this trade coming back is Eric Halla, who's a fine player, but he's a UFA this summer. So there's no control whatsoever. And it, I mean, you get Lucas Walmart, who's a, an okay player too. He's a middle six forward, probably more towards the third line than the second line though. And a couple of prospects who have some promise, but they're secondary or tertiary prospects, right? They're not, they're not big names. And I look at this and I think, why didn't they just wait until the summer when they would have had a bigger market for Vincent Trocek and probably would have gotten a much better return? And this does nothing for their playoff push. It's just, it's very disappointing from that side of things. And I mean, I haven't seen Dale Talon's post-deadline presser yet. I don't know if he's had it at this time of recording, but I'm curious to see what his reasoning is because... Yeah, I mean, they're in the playoff hunt right here uh, against a Toronto Maple Leafs team that, like you said, just lost to a beer league goalie. So both teams are struggling. Why are you seemingly throwing up the white flag? But on the other side of the coin, Carolina is the big winner of the day as far as I, I'm You concerned. think so. So picking up Vatnin as well, uh, he's nicked up, but yep. uh, is going to be able to help the yep. decor. And then Brady Shea, a guy who signed long-term, 25 years old. Yep. Uh, they had two first-rounders. They had the Leafs in their pocket, so they had one to play with, and they sent it to the Rangers. Yeah, so, I mean, you look at all the three trades together for Carolina, a second-line center, two top-four defensemen, one of which is going to help your power play and be that puck mover. I mean, Carolina is somehow always looking for defensemen, and they get two more uh, today. And you give up, again, you're, the big things that you give up are a pending UFA, a middle six forward, a first-round draft pick is the biggest expenditure that you had across those three trades, and a couple of... Meh pieces that could be used in basically any kind of trade. 
these are three impact ads for the Carolina Hurricanes. And again, Trocheck, like this is for the future as well. Vatnin, you're, I would guess you're probably going to lose on the UFA market, although we'll see how that plays out. But uh, Shea is controllable. He's a young defenseman. So this is not just a move for this year, which Carolina is much better coming to this trade deadline uh, than they were going in. But this is also for the future. And again, getting back to Florida, like, Florida is also competing against Carolina for this playoff spot. And you've just given up. You you probably lost the trade with Toronto for Dennis Malgin, and now you've lost this trade to Carolina. I'm sorry to keep going back to Florida, here, <laughs> but it just it, it is crazy because Carolina comes out of this a the big winner on the entire league for what they added versus what they gave up, and and b where they're sitting in the playoffs right now, kind of on that you know bubble in in that fight for the wild card, and they could probably still make a shot at third in the, in the Metro there, and I would actually probably bet on them right now to finish in that third in the Metro uh, as long as their goalies hold up, which is a whole other question. But as, as far as the, the team goes, like much better put together and, you know, maybe they can get by for the next little bit with the goalies that they have if they play the way we saw them play against Toronto, which is strong defense. They've been known for that for a long, long time and keeping those shots to the outside. Maybe it's a little less important to having to make a goalie upgrade right now at the deadline and, and pay maybe a little bit too much, wait a little bit, and then you'll get Morazic and Reimer back. And, and those are your goalies for the playoffs. Safe to say we both like what Edmonton did. We're going to talk to Spec about that. So let's talk about another, I would say, universally acknowledged winner, the Vegas Golden Knights, especially if we, you know, go back to picking up Alec Martinez, who's uh, sort of turned into Paul Coffey since going there, two goals in three games, had one in 41. Did you see that Mark Stone pass on his stick? Oh my God. It's perfect saucer pass in the air, lands right on his stick, right beside the net. Check out that highlight because it also gives you a more appreciation for how great Mark Stone is yeah. as a player. Well, hey, that was last deadline's uh, big yes. move for Vegas, yep. but they were they were at it again and yep. went out and got Robin Leonard. Uh, cue the goalie controversy, yep. I guess, in Vegas yep. because, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't been top of the charts this season and, and Leonard has proven in his time in Chicago that last year was no fluke. You have to zoom out sometimes and remind yourself this team is in year three of its existence and it is as all in yep. as any team out there. The GM is already a new GM. Granted, you yes. know, uh, you know, someone just went upstairs, George McPhee. They fired their coach out of the blue. And now you're like, are they kind of shoveling the franchise face to the to the second stage? Because I mean, you get Robin Leonard, you intend to play him. Yeah, I mean the the thing with Vegas is always I think they can win or or go far in the Stanley Cup playoffs as long as Marc-Andre Fleury holds up. And now you still have that, but Robin Lehner as the, I don't even know if you can call him the backup. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out down the stretch. But I feel much better about Vegas now because they have that that security blanket. Whoever starts, you're probably feeling pretty good about. You know, two years ago when they went back to the, when they went to the Stanley Cup final, through the first three rounds, Marc-Andre Fleury was lights out, like historically great and tracking towards maybe the best playoff any goalie has ever had. And then he was garbage in, in the Stanley Cup final. And it's 
tough not to think of smiley Marc Andre Fleury as he, he's an old guy now. Yeah, as far as the I, NHL, I know right? it is. I even today saw I think it's thirty five, and I was like, that just yeah. can't be right. And he's never had a backup in Vegas, so they've always had to give him yeah. so many starts, and it's legitimate. I mean, this is a league wide conversation now that teams are turning towards tandems to rest their starters, and now you've got a guy in his mid thirties who you're having to lean on. Now you've got a backup, a, a tandem really for him. You can rest him as much as you want down the stretch. And really, I think you get to the playoffs and it's a hot hand situation and yeah. you can just go with whoever's playing well. If, if, if it's Flurry, they probably go with Flurry. If it's not, then they go with Laner. And I wonder, I wonder if they're going to try and sign Robin Laner even um, to go forward with because they didn't give up as much as I thought Robin Laner was going to go for. I thought if Robin Laner went for less than, let's say, a first round pick or a a prospect who's got some impact that the Blackhawks might just try and hold him, might try and re-sign him. But the return was a little bit underwhelming. And so Vegas, I mean, if they can also get him signed to a contract, now you've maybe got a transition that can happen in the future where Fleury's going to age out and his contract's going to expire. And now you can just slide on to Robin Lehner. Um, and that's your goalie of the future, kind of. It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be fascinating to see this whole thing play out for Vegas, I think at the very least, it reestablishes them as the team to beat in the Pacific, if not the entire Western Conference. Before we bring in Luke quickly here, any teams you uh, want to talk about on the good or bad side of the ledger? Well, I think we've hit on most of the teams on the good side, except for Ottawa. Um, yes. I mean, they Great just... return for Pajot. I was shocked that they got a first-round pick plus for him. Really, it's a first and a second-round pick. The third is contingent on New York winning the Stanley right. Cup, which I don't think either of us is going to probably doesn't do. put him over the top. Yeah, um, so that they got a first-round pick back for him was, was absolutely huge. And, I mean, Ottawa's got just draft picks galore now, and that's really what they needed to do. The most amazing thing, actually, was that the return for Pajot was so similar to the return to Mark Stone last year, where instead of the first round pick, it was Eric Brandstrom who was a first round draft pick, which is just, it blows your mind, right? Um, but this really is where Ottawa needs to be right now, just accumulate draft picks. And the 2020 draft is being called a, an extremely strong one. Pierre Dorian was on our broadcast recently, and he himself said the first 20 players, there's different tiers, but the first 20 players are very, very strong. Now Ottawa's looking at a very real possibility of having three picks within yeah. that first 20, maybe two. I mean, depending on what happens with San Jose, they could get two in the top 10, two in the top five. They could have the top two picks in the draft. They can dream. I mean, it's Absolutely. unbelievable, right? So I think Dorian, who I, I have been critical of him in the past, of especially last deadline, I didn't think he got enough done. I think this deadline, he really hit it out of the park and sets up Ottawa very well to maybe shoot them out of, the rebuild quicker than it seems. Maybe it's it's going to take another year or two at least. As long as their scouting department does well at the draft, that this team could come out of this season looking really, really, really strong in the pipeline. Anyone you thought really whiffed? Well, I mean, we you, you're wanting Florida. to get me talking about Florida again, <laughs> but they were the biggest whiffers. Um, the other one, I think, was Chicago, just because of the return for Lanner just wasn't what you thought it was. There there weren't a lot of obvious losers, I didn't think, okay. beyond Florida. I mean, everybody did kind of pretty well. The other team that I was going to put in my losers was Vancouver, more for the fact that they lost their starting goalie than yeah. anything they did or didn't do at the deadline. I'm going to throw in a small winner. I love the Buffalo Sabres going out and showing the fans a little something yeah, by picking curious. up Wayne Simmons. Yeah. I like it. You know what? It's a small price to pay to say, it's been an awful year and at times really awful. 
We're kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of in the hunt. Hey, the team we're chasing is, you know, can't, can't stop shooting itself in the foot. So uh, yeah. good for Buffalo. Yeah, in case I haven't made it clear, Florida's clearly given up on this season. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of pushback on that Buffalo Sabres trade. And what I will say, I don't think they're making the playoffs or even making a charge. But they're 7-3-1, uh, and one, I think, in their last 10, something like that. Much better than either Toronto or Florida. So yeah. there is a case to be made that right now they're the hottest team out of those three and maybe they can make some kind of a push. But this time of year, man, it's just so hard to make up points with the loser point in the standings. You can have a fantastic run and still only make up one or two. So it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. But it was curious to see them make the Simmons trade. But I kind of agree with you that it was it was a good thing to see them try uh, to make an impact move at least. All right, the team, or one of the teams the Sabres uh, are chasing is those Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to bring in Luke Fox. Luke, before we get to deadline day in the Maple Leafs, we are not done talking about Saturday night yet. You were there. Just tell us what it was like in the building after (laughs) the game. I mean, what a night for a backup or a a beer leaguer, I should say, uh, who really had a moment in the sun. It was unbelievable. Uh, I don't think, you know, a lot of games come and go and the details kind of blur, but I'm never going to forget being at the rink for that one. It was just an unbelievable situation and going into his scrum after the fact and he was just on this crazy high. You know, his dream had had come true, something that he never thought would even be possible. Uh, And he was fantastic. And the Hurricanes were awesome. Yeah. Like the way Rod Brindamore talked about it and the way the other players rallied around him, it was really something to see. You know, it was like no one thought they had a chance, especially after the first couple shots went in. So for him to, you know, hold the fort, make eight saves, you know, they they didn't have to be beauties, but um, for him to get a win at 42 years of age it was it was just remarkable and the fact that i saw him peeling off his gear and underneath his hurricane sweater he had a toronto maple leafs t-shirt on <laughs> uh, it just like, the irony was was too rich it, it was awesome so already going into that game the leafs were unstable i guess i mean they're just one team one night and one team the other too often they're the bad version of the Maple Leafs, and then you lose to a 42-year-old beer league goalie. I mean, you know, you get to this point in the season, and you sometimes sometimes it's a mental game, and you grip the stick too hard, and and all that stuff. So, how does this Maple Leafs team dealing with everything they're doing mentally, or can they even mentally move on from that? embarrassing I mean the word embarrassing has been used around this team so often lately but how do they move past this latest embarrassing loss well it's going to be tough especially since their next game's in Tampa and then they got a critical critical one against the Florida Panthers uh and you know what one thing I do appreciate about Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe is they're kind of being honest about it Sheldon actually said like this one's going to take a while it's going to take a while to get over this you know it, it was embarrassing but um, they have no choice but to do it. And, you know, Dubas was, was saying today, and, and it's the only thing you can say, is that these types of embarrassments, this adversity, these trials that they're going through have to make them stronger. They have to learn from it and grow from it, or else it's just going to break them. But you'd like to think, you know, the core of this group is still well under the age of 25. You think this is some scar tissue that maybe they'll even be able to look back and laugh at later. But it's really taken a, 
a hold of this city. Like I was taking my, my son to his game uh, and his practice yesterday. I had my own beer league night and it's all anyone wanted to talk about was Dave Ayers. <laughs> and some people thought it was just, ah, oh, this feel good story. But a large portion of people are like, I'm done with this team. Like, I don't want to watch the next game. They're too frustrating. And I get it. Like, I think what makes them frustrating is the fact that this game came on the heels of Thursday's game against Pittsburgh, which I would say was their most complete win, their best front-to-back effort. You know, Freddie was amazing. Their big guys performed. They were battling for pucks. And then they have this thing served to them on a platter, and they just choked. They just couldn't generate shots. So all of that set the stage for a deadline day today where we didn't really know what to expect from the lease. And it, it felt like there was at least a possibility with all the Tyson Berry chatter that something big could happen in the end. All really minor stuff for the Leafs. What do you make of how this day unfolded? Uh, we'll set the Muzzin uh, contract aside uh, and, and address that later. But in terms of actual trades that did or didn't happen, what do you make of what happened? And, and what did you think? You know, what was your gut telling you coming into today? I think Kyle Dubas has dealt with the harsh realization that this team is not a Stanley Cup contender yet. I think he's had to take a step back. I think at the beginning of the year, I think he thought anything was possible. But, you know, actions speak louder than words. And the fact that Boston was a big-time buyer, Tampa was aggressive the last few days, Washington, Pittsburgh, those are the real teams in the East uh, that are going for it. And they showed that by their actions, by going out and buying. And I think the last week, last month, made Kyle kind of second-guess it a little bit and say, you know what, maybe this isn't the year. Maybe maybe i got to save some of my bigger chips for later because I don't think I'm one piece away. The growth has to come from within. This team needs to grow some killer instinct um, and getting a, a, a nice depth defenseman because there were some guys out there, you know, uh, won't do the trick. Um, so I, I think it's been a, a tough road for him, and, and I think it's actually been pretty trying on him. So the good thing, I guess, for the Leafs, if there is something good to come out of this trade deadline day, I've already had my Florida Panthers rant. They got worse. How do you handicap the Leafs coming out of the deadline now that those moves have been made? I still think they're a playoff team, in part because the Panthers got worse. I thought when I first saw the Panthers trade of Trocek, I was like, okay, there's got to be another move coming. He's setting something up. But uh, now we just get word that they're trying to shed salary when they just paid Bobrovsky an exorbitant salary. Like, I I don't know what the direction is there. (laughs) But I think... I, I did. Sorry, Rory. <laughs> I know that your team, but I, I do think this team is better than the Florida Panthers. If they lose out uh, to them and don't make the playoffs, I think then this has become an even greater disaster. So I think they're just going to roll the dice. You know, they they weren't going to sell Tyson Berry for pennies on the dollar just to salvage something from what in hindsight looks like a, a poor trade on Dubas's part. But at the time, you know. A lot of people thought he was addressing the right need, and I'd throw myself into that group. At the time, I, I thought it was a, a decent gamble, but it, he wasn't going to just sell, sell him off, and he didn't get the offer he wanted, which was a first plus a prospect. Do you think it's a given that Barry is gone to free agency this year? Or is there any chance that he'll resign? Did, did Dubas touch on that? In his presser? Yeah, he was at, he was asked that, and his answer led me to believe that um, he's gone. He said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play it out. 
We'll see how the fit goes. But as you know, we have salary cap issues. I just think it's been a bit of a rocky road. And I do believe that Tyson will get more money elsewhere. Uh, it hasn't quite been the, the fit that they were hoping for. So this, is, this was the risk right from the beginning. He w- they got him for one year. It was kind of like a one-year rental, really. Like he, he would have to score like four overtime winners in the playoffs or something for them to, <laughs> to bring him back, I think. Luke, let me just zoom out a bit. I mean, we're talking about this this crazy week, but I feel like it's been a microcosm of the whole season. So much has happened with this team. I just feel like there's been three or four times where you've thought, oh my God, they're like one loss away from true crisis. And then three or four times where you've thought, boy, they've really got it together now. Like it, it must yeah. be uh, a quite a wild ride down there covering this team that just keeps kind of veering from side to side. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And I can't uh, even wrap my head around the number of storylines that have been this season, you know, like Austin Matthews that'll run in with the, the legal dispute, Uh, Mitch Marner's contract negotiations. Those feel like four years ago. They do. They really do. So much has happened. You know, even Babcock's firing feels like a long time ago. This, this team has endured a lot, not to mention a really unusual amount of injuries. You know, yes. good good news today. Both CC and Riley were back on the ice. That's promising. Uh, Riley said it was more like going public skating. Like he took it pretty easy. But there is uh, there is promise that they're going to come back sometime in March. But yeah, this this team has been dealt a lot of adversity because prior to this year they'd been relatively healthy and they've just been hit with a lot. And they haven't responded the best way, you know. There, there's a still a, an immaturity or a fragility or, or something in that room. And the optimist in me says that it'll, it will make them stronger down the road. But we're going to have to see this thing play out. I think there's going to be a few more twists and turns. Yeah, who knows what the last six weeks will hold here. Luke, thanks so much for joining us on a, a very busy day for you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. That is Sportsnet's Luke Fox talking about the Leafs. We've got a lot more to come here on Tape to Tape, so stick around. Jim, first of all, can you give us an update on Marky? So, so Marky got hurt the other night in the Boston game. Um, it's a lower body injury. We woke up the next day, felt okay. We flew to Montreal. He, we went and he did an MRI this morning. He's flying back tomorrow going to meet with our doctors Wednesday morning and we'll have a better timeline after that. The report that it could be three to four weeks, can you see that at all? It could be. We don't know for sure yet how long it's going to be, but like I said, he's flying back tomorrow, going to meet with our doctors Wednesday morning and we should have a better timeline like Wednesday afternoon, late Wednesday. Hey, welcome back to Tape to Tape. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance you're into fantasy hockey. Don't forget, sign up for the Sportsnet Fantasy Pool presented by Ram. Just go to sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram to win 50000 in cash prizes and potentially a 2020 Ram 1500 sport. I'm going to uh, try and win a little money in my pool by picking up Thatcher Demko because he's going to be getting some starts these days. And to talk about that, we now bring in Dan Murphy of Sportsnet. Dan, I think the big news of deadline day here, if you're a Canucks fan, the news that uh, Jacob Markstrom will be on the shelf for what sounds like a not insignificant amount of time. Yeah, like no, no significant trade for Jim Benning, but he had to make a trade for a significant reason, and that's the Markstrom injury. 
you know, who thought that something bad could could have come out of a 9-3 win over Boston on Saturday, yeah. but apparently Markstrom was hurt in that game, and, you know, they didn't think it was anything major. He flew to Montreal. It started to stiffen up. Got an MRI in Montreal yesterday, and sure enough, uh, they're saying three to four weeks. I think it might be a meniscus tear, but we're waiting for official word. Uh, but certainly, it's uh, Thatcher Demko's time now. Uh, I'm guessing that Demang they thought was a better third goaltender than Zane McIntyre, who they sent uh, the other way from Utica, and they don't want to use Mikey DiPietro up at this level quite yet. So significant news, especially when you consider that the Canucks made one deal already a week ago for Toffoli, and that was because Betcher's out until pretty much the end of the regular season. Levo's out to the regular season's done, and uh, Michael Furlan is done for good this season. So uh, the moves that Benning made were mainly because of injuries and not so much trying to bolster an ad at this time of year. So Demko, the goalie of the future, is now the goalie of the playoff push for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, tell us about him. What kind of a goalie is he right now? He's still a young guy, but he's going to get thrown right in the fire here. Um, Is he going to be able to uh, hold the fort while they chase down a playoff spot? Well, he's been pretty good this season. Uh, He just suffered his first ever, I think, regulation loss at uh, Rogers Arena recently. He went 10-2-1 there, uh, I believe. He is uh, 24 years old. He reminds me a lot of Corey Schneider when Schneider uh, first uh, became a Vancouver Canuck. And I know they're both uh, Boston College guys, both Americans, but uh, very cerebral, a really good speaker, very interesting guy. And his numbers have been good, especially early in the season. And he had a bit of a tough spell November and December in some starts, but it's kind of come back here uh, recently. So I think they have confidence in him. Um, you know, this is one thing, uh, talking point in Vancouver is the expansion draft. What are they going to do? Because if they re-sign Markstrom, uh, they feel like they're going to lose one of these two guys somehow in that expansion draft. But uh, now Demko's going to get a chance to, to, to show he belongs, show he can be a number one, and the Canucks are going to have to lean on him heavily because uh, they do have some back-to-backs coming up, and uh, March is one of the busiest months of the season for them. So you rhymed off the injuries. Besser, Furlan, Levo. Uh, Tyler Defoley obviously looked great, uh, especially on Saturday when everyone looked great when they pumped the Bruins. But did you expect maybe Jim Benning would do something else to address the forwards? Or did you have a sense it was you know, probably going to be a quiet day from that perspective for Vancouver? Well, I think one thing is because they believe Besser is going to be back before the end of the regular season. So that kind of affected things with their cap where they couldn't add uh, as much in terms of a salary player. I thought they were looking at some toughness. That's why you heard about Wainston's name uh, around Vancouver for a bit, and also a depth uh, defenseman. But I'm guessing those pieces were just a little bit too expensive for Benning's tape. Let's not forget he gave up a significant asset to get to Foley in Madden, uh, a rising prospect and a second rounder. So I don't think they were in position to really move any more assets than when you consider also that if they make the playoffs, they don't have a first round this year, either because of the Miller trade. So I thought it was always just going to be depth. I never really believed in the Barry thing. And Benning says he wasn't shopping Stetcher, but certainly teams were calling on him because they know the pickle that Vancouver could be in at the end of the season trying to resign him. But Benning didn't want to subtract from this roster right now while this team is trying to make a push for the playoffs. So the Canucks did make an impact trade in this trade season, getting Tyler Toffoli from the Los Angeles Kings. I mean, it's been a week, but how, how has he been fitting in so far? Well, he's been great. I mean, they, right away they put him on the top line uh, alongside Pedersen and Miller, which is a pretty fun line they have. 
But, uh, you know, he kind of fits that player that, you know, Benning has kind of looked for, guys that are a little bit uh, bigger, that they play heavy on the puck, they win their puck bottles, a total Travis Green type of player. And they got that with Levo. Uh, they got that with Pearson at the deadline last year. They thought they were getting that with Furlan, who, of course, has been hurt. So he's been an excellent fit so far. Uh, he has replaced Brandon Sutter on the first unit power play. He replaced Besser when he got hurt. But so far, so good. But let's be honest, guys, with Markstrom out, you know, and now uh, no real help on that second line for Bo Horvat. So that means Louis Erickson will continue to run shotgun on the second line until Besser comes back. You know, this next month is going to be a, a real, real test for this Vancouver Canucks team to try to keep up uh, in the Pacific Division because Vegas has found its legs. Edmonton seems like it had a great day, uh, and Calgary is starting to find the offense as well. So it's going to be some tough sweating. Yeah, that you uh, you took my next question right out of my mouth there, Dan. Uh, I just wonder how you handicap their chances in this division. That's been crazy all year. And as you noted, those teams made those moves. Of course, Arizona made its move uh, two months ago getting getting Taylor Hall. I mean, it's going to take some real resilience. They're just embarking on the stretch now without Markstrom as, you know, we didn't know they were going to face these circumstances. Yeah. But based on what you've seen from this group, do you think they have the, the chutzpah to, to hang in through this? Well, I mean, I, I, without the Markstrom news aside, if we were just grading like kind of like the deadline time the last week, uh, right up until the Leonard trade, I thought probably Toffoli was the most impactful player that came into the Pacific Division, uh, more so than Athanasiu and, and Green and Annis, although all those three guys together should make a significant impact for uh, Edmonton. So I think Vancouver still got the player they targeted, still got the help they wanted. And I will say one thing. This, this, there's been a couple times this season where you thought the Canucks were going to you know, fold the tent like in seasons past, but they've always seemed to have a good response. And I think there is a backbone to this team that perhaps wasn't there last season or the season before. So uh, they have done well in tough times before. And, you know, they're still positioned in a pretty good spot. So as long as the Markstrom news doesn't derail Vancouver, kind of like the Kemper thing did to Arizona for a while, I think this team will hang right in there. Well, big test coming up for sure. We will see how they fare. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. All right, that is Sportsnet's Dan Murphy. Stick around for more Trade Talk, tape to tape. Well, I, you know, coming into uh, the trade deadline, first off, we're in a race to make the playoffs. So, you know, try to add some offense down the stretch. And obviously, in... Athanasiu is a player that I know very well from Detroit, had 30 goals a year ago. You know, give up two second round draft picks and obviously it's more than a rental. He's a restricted free agent for a couple of years. With about an hour ago, acquired uh, Tyler Ennis for a fifth round draft pick and obviously a guy that's a player that's been around the National Hockey League and having a good season, 14 goals. So both shoot left. Uh, we have lots of right, right wingers, so uh, they give us some insurance as we head down the stretch in our pursuit of a playoff spot. Hey, time now for our overtime segment brought to you by Subway. No joke. Subway now delivers. Joining us today, a man who covers the very busy Edmonton Oilers on trade deadline day. It is Mark Spector. Mark, did you have a sense that this was going to be a busy day? And did you think that maybe Mr. Holland was going to be this type of buyer here? Uh, yeah, no, I have to admit, uh, I didn't think, frankly, that they had the assets to expend 
and I wasn't sure that they would be, they didn't have much cap space either. But, you know, Ken Holland's a veteran guy, and he managed to kind of find his way around the edges here, right? The, he, he didn't get any huge players. I would say uh, Athanasius, a, you know, a pretty big fish in the trade deadline pond today. But Tyler Ennis is a, you know, a bottom six guy that can help a team whose forwards are a little bit too slow. And uh, I didn't see them going out and getting a defenseman. Um, in Mike Green, but, uh, you know, if you're going to go get a guy, uh, why not get a guy who's been running a power play for 900 games in the National Hockey League? So let's go through the guys that they got one by one. Start with Andreas Athanasiu. I mean, first of all, I, I can't wait to see him play alongside, I assume, Connor McDavid, which could be the fastest line maybe in NHL history. Um, but I, I also thought it was interesting that it's a player that Holland has a history with who has been up and down in his time in Detroit. They had a difficult contract negotiation at one point too, and he's going to be an RFA. What did you make of that trade and how and where he's going to fit into that lineup? Well, from a trade uh, standpoint, Ken Holland gives up two second round picks for Athanasiu. So he said, look, I'm not giving up a first-round pick for a rental. I'm not giving up a high prospect for a rental. So this is a player that's a pretty high price, two second-rounders, but the player's under Edmonton's control. He's an RFA for the next two years after this one. So you've acquired a player that you're going to have for a while, so the price tag is, is quite fair, I would think. Let's just all agree that he's going to play on the left side with Connor McDavid. And... You know, two players with that much speed on the same line is, uh, I was trying to think back. I mean, I can remember watching the Anaheim Ducks. I'm not saying that Athanasiu is a, is a Hall of Fame player. That's not what I'm saying. But I remember watching the Anaheim Ducks when Tamu Solani and Paul Correa played together on that team. And when they busted over their own blue line and broke into a two-on-one, it was just something to behold. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're talking that level of speed. Carney McDavid is certainly the fastest guy out there. And Athanasi is right very close in the top five in the league. So, oh boy, <laughs> you know, that's probably going to be a lot of fun. What kind of player is this guy? He's minus 45 in Detroit, <laughs> but I think everybody's a minus player there. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll be a better player on a team when he's a supporting character as opposed to being, you know, a leading guy in Detroit. How about that? I love that. And that quick line, you're comparing it to that Ducks line. These guys get to do it in an era where the league is way more wide open and friendly to that kind of game than when... Korea and Solani were playing next to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Connor McDavid comes back last night after six games off with injury, and he's just the best player on the ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was unbelievable. Plays in LA. I know LA, their last place team, and but he was the best Oiler too. Uh, and he's just breaking in here. He'll get better now that he's got a game under his belt. It's Connor McDavid is just you know he's absolutely an incredible player, and having a burner like this with him, yeah, it's probably going to be a lot of fun to watch. So we think that's where Athanasiu is going. Where do you see the other two guys, Ennis and Green, slotting in? Ennis is a guy that, you know, I, I would slot him in a third-line left wing. Uh, here's the deal on the orders. Their forward group isn't fast enough. You know, they've got, a, obviously, a real fast guy in McDavid. Uh, but generally speaking, they've got a few too many plotters. So you'll take out a kid named Tyler Benson who was trying to make his way out of Bakersfield here. He'll go back to Bakersfield. He's not quite ready. And you bring in a guy who can really skate in Tyler Ennis. So speed's everything in the game today, guys. Uh, and Edmonton with Hassan Siu and um, Ennis in their top 12, they just got faster at two positions. So along with Edmonton in the Pacific, Calgary and Vegas got some business done today. Before the deadline, uh, Vancouver got to Foley. 
Long ago, Arizona picked up Taylor Hall. So coming out of the deadline, these are the teams that are set now. How do you handicap the Oilers against their competition in that division? Well, it's a good question. Uh, I think that if I had to you know, take my 100 and put it down on the team right this second, I'd probably pick Vegas to win the division. But it's going to go down to the last weekend. You know, the Oilers got considered like reasonably better today. You know, reasonably better. And they've been a team that's been right at the top of this division the whole way. Calgary uh, got a little bit better. I don't think they, they got the big move that they wanted, right? They got a couple of sort of depth defensemen, but they didn't, they didn't hit the home run they were looking for. And Vancouver, the biggest news out of there today, of course, is Jacob Markstrom being injured. Uh, that's absolutely giant news there because, you know, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs, Vancouver Canucks depend on their goaltender uh, even more than most teams. So, you know, I think Edmonton's right there. They've got two fabulous superstar players here in Drysaddle and McDavid. They've got some defensive depth. They've got the best power play in the league. They've got the number two PK in the league, and they're getting goaltending. So if all those ingredients can't can add up to a playoff team, guys, I'm not sure what does. Well, and I wonder, too, how much in the past couple of weeks seeing this team respond well and show a little something when McDavid went out, that must have made Holland you know, move at least an inch in the direction toward, I want to do something to help these guys. Yeah, well, for sure. He said that today. Like the, the players and the coaches and everybody, they've been sucking it up all year here. And, you know, general managers, they, they don't have that many opportunities to jump in with the guys and pull on that rope proverbially, right? You know, they build their team in the summer when no one's around and they're, they're working out of an office. And, and then there's not many moves for the start of the first three, four months of the season. And this is it, man. This is a trade deadline. And, and you know, it's still a it's still a sport. It's still a bunch of guys getting together and trying to win something here. And even at, at Kenny Holland's, you know, advanced age, he feels like he's got to jump in with these guys who have done such a good job. Now the, the puck's on his stick here for a couple of days. And he had to make this team better and show them that, yeah, I'm in. And it's my time, you know, like every player on every team, right? You get your moment to shine. And this last few days, it's the general manager's moment to shine. And he did. He, he made his team better. This team's going to show up at the morning skate in Anaheim anymore. They're going to look at Mike Green, who's been running a power play for, like I said, 900 games in this league. And they're going to look at Athenasu and say, you know what? This guy's not bad. And uh, Tyler Ennis comes in. He's a veteran player with good speed. And they're better. They're better today than they were yesterday. A busy and I would say very good deadline day behind the Oilers and uh, behind you as well. We'll let you uh, catch your breath. And uh, yeah, it should be fun covering this team down the stretch. Thanks so much, Mark. I'm just going to go back to my room tonight and try to figure out how to consistently say the name Athanasiu properly. <laughs> AA, uh, just go with AA, buddy. Be an expert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, pal. Enjoy the California sunshine. Thanks, Thanks, guys. That was Mark Spector from Anaheim, Rory. Big day for the Oilers. Big day around here at Sportsnet. You survived. Survived another one. The next one's 365 days away. We'll yes, do it again. <laughs> you got a little time to catch you know your breath. What? You know what? I got to say, though, like it, it, the buzz leading up to this deadline seemed really dull and it didn't seem like a lot was going to happen. And granted, some big names that were mentioned were left on the table, like no Tyson Berry trade, no Matt Dumba trade and all that stuff. But in the end, I think it was busier than yeah. we expected it to be. They got to leave us something for the draft, right? They do. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And of course, still lots going on in March. Tons of great playoff races. So make sure you're sticking around, listening to Tape to Tape, checking out sportsnet.ca as we turn for the home stretch. Check out Rory on Twitter, at Rory Boylan, myself, at Dixon on Sports. And check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.